this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. In our first cruise since the onset of COVID, we boarded the Disney Fantasy for what was to be a three-night getaway. Despite new protocols, this was probably one of our favorite and most memorable of our eight Disney cruises. I share seven highlights from this cruise, almost all of which were new experiences we had not encountered before. From changes to protocol to new entertainment and offerings to running over other ships, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Our experience on board the Fantasy will make you consider taking a Disney Cruise experience sooner than later. You may also want to hearken back to our last podcast, which gave you an overview of getting on board the Fantasy from um, getting signed up for it to getting enrolled and taking care of everything online, including immunizations and all that kind of thing, to getting the arrival process, to um, taking the COVID test while in the parking lot structure there in front of the Fantasy to the moment we board. All that's covered in our previous podcast, so you may want to check that out if you haven't already. We're going to take it from two hours into the podcast through the next three days to talk about some really great highlights of our experience. And when I say it actually was surprisingly one of our most memorable Disney Cruise experiences, maybe perhaps because, well, I think we came in with low expectations given that this is post-COVID since we'd have to be masked. We didn't want to set ourselves up too much for what lay ahead. But honestly, the team and the crew on the Disney uh, Fantasy worked so hard to create a great experience and just the opportunity to get away for the first time. In my previous podcast, I mentioned that it had been two years since we had done uh, a Disney cruise. In truth, after we sat back and thought about it for a while, it had been three years since we had done a cruise and so much had happened in that wake um, from the loss of my my wife's father to some very big changes in the marketplace and in my own work to re-emerging with a new um, product offering and a new online offering uh, to my clients and so forth and then of course COVID uh, we were overdue for a cruise. And this one just really paid off for us. So so I want to, and by the way, you need, you will need to go to disneyatplay.com because in addition to an outline of this podcast, you will see not only images, but actually I think we've got like five different videos showing some of the things we did there that uh, I think are worth um, checking out. And noting so make sure and make sure while you're there that you uh, go ahead and subscribe to Disney at play.com so you're notified you can also go to J Jeff Cobra on YouTube and there you'll be notified as well of upcoming videos as they came out because we are always turning out new videos on Disney every single week well let's go through uh, our list of seven highlights Highlight number one, this was the first cruise, again, in the context of three years, 
that was entirely on an app with no personal navigator. Now, if you're not familiar with the cruise experience, you or if you it's been a little while, remember that in your room, you always came in and, at night and there was this little newsletter called Personal Navigator and it gave you all of the up, everything that was gonna go on the next day. It was, um, it was about four pages. It opened, uh, opened at the fold, and they listed its highlights. There was the 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 sunrise time and the weather up in the corner, and a listing of when shows and movies and and character appearances were all in this little navigator. And you grab one and you fold that up and you carry that through. Mind you, uh, by the time we had done our last couple of cruises, uh, the new. Uh, well, the the Disney Cruise Line um, app had already come out, but it was nothing compared to what we experienced this time around. And in fact, it has so evolved that the personal navigator, that little um, that little uh, paper flyer, is no longer a part of the cruise, and yet. Going through this new app, which had many good things going for it, still had a lot of challenges. I found ourselves spending a lot of time trying to find out something uh, that, for instance, we kind of considered going on a particular little, uh, I think it's a hobby cat, but a, a little sailboat uh, while we are Castaway Key. And I saw something on that, saw the pricing, saw the place where you could reserve all that was good but i thought well let's i'm gonna talk to my wife about that and see what she thinks i'm telling you it took forever to find that puppy again um like two days forever to find it and it was only a, a, a three-night cruise so um, finding room service you'd think that would be one of the things right at the top of the front page not findable very difficult to to get my now what was nice is is that they listed by the way include no longer is um your key your key to the rooms is now available to you and is sitting in an envelope when you are welcomed to your rooms which was after three on the first day no longer do they list the order of meals and which place you're going to go when um but um, this is on the on that app. That was helpful, and you could see the menus and so forth. Um, there, you could see when there were Disney character greets. Not a lot of specificity about that. You could chat with guest services. That was very cool, and actually, I have to say that was probably one of the stronger things about the app is that you could you could get into a queue and within a minute or two be in a chat session with somebody from guest services. They were very efficient. Walt Disney World could benefit from how they do it. Mind you, they had a smaller number of people, but you just hire more people to address it. Anyway, I, I thought that was a very, in fact, I'm still waiting for a response on Genie Plus from guest services. Um, the, the IT department wrote me repeatedly, but I never did hear a, an individual response from guest services after Genie Plus started. So, you know, take that for what it is. But uh, there could be a lot of improvement at Walt Disney World. You go onto the app 
to line up for a couple things. When there is a shore excursion, whether that was at Nassau or Castaway Key, you got on at 7.30 and it's like getting onto a virtual app to line up for Remy's or previously to Rise of the Resistance. Um, and there were a couple of things with that. First of all, you'd get there right at 7.30 and you're ready to go. And nothing happened. <laughs> It always seemed to be about two, three minutes later, and I'm, you know, synced up on my Apple Watch. I'm thinking it was like two or three minutes later when you, when you finally punched it. And when you punched it, I mean, when we punched it, it was like you're Group 58. You're thinking, oh, we're never gonna get off this ship. Now, the good news is it goes from zero to 58 in about 10 minutes. It's that fast. It wasn't an issue, um, really getting off off the ship. Um, and, and they were able to space it. Actually, that was one of the cool things about it. Um, there, what, you know, they give you a survey and they encourage you so much to take this survey at the end of your cruise. But they give you a paper survey. And mind you, I couldn't find the pens that used to be in the desk drawer. But, um, but I found a pen on my own in my, my uh, backpack and uh, took the survey Mind you, there are 37 questions just asking about the Maritime Christmas offering on the ship. That doesn't include the other three pages, three pages, four pages of, no, six actually columns of, of questions that were asked. I mean, literally, we went through about 150 questions by the time you filled out that. I don't know how anybody really takes the time to do that. And yet, we had talked about, and of course, there's been a lot of conversation about Bob Chapek being a data-driven company. Well, they're gathering data here. And by the way, this doesn't even include the survey you get a couple of days after you return, which is a whole other thing. But in none of those forms, did they really give you an open-ended space to say, what else, what other feedback do you have for us? Because I have feedback. One of the feedbacks is, is I don't understand why they have not provided on the app a place where you could just go and increase your gratuity if you wanted to do so for your servers or for your guest uh, stateroom host or hostess. Why does that have to be that you got to go down to guest services? They encourage you in the paperwork not to put cash in the envelope. Not sure. I'm sure that has to do with some some tax laws and HR rules and so forth but but notwithstanding they they should make that easier to provide a gratuity to your servers and others um and then i noticed also i wanted to look at my portfolio as to the total amount i spent after i finished the cruise oh no that's been wiped away we prepared for another cruise and so i'm not saying the app is bad i'm just saying it's not very navigable it's missing some really obviously needed things and it's got work to be done. And the meanwhile, I kind of like it. I, I like the principle and I teach this in my programs to or organizations. Communication is always better when it's available in different forms. So I'm not sure that getting rid of the personal navigator, I'm sure somebody said, oh, we're saving, you know, we're saving um, you know, landfills from being filled up because we're no longer doing the personal navigator, but I think you're missing an opportunity to communicate. Um, 
in multiple ways to your customers. So that was the first thing that I experienced was having to depend entirely on that. And by the way, so many times I just want to put away the phone and enjoy the cruise. I caught myself too many occasions like between um, appetizer and main entree or just looking at the app and trying to figure out the next thing. And I, instead of enjoying the moment, enjoying the conversation, that is, it's a hit and miss. That just, just put it out there. It's a hit and miss. A lot of good things on there, a lot of missing things on there and much more work to come. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I mentioned in the previous podcast, if you haven't heard it yet, that we do, that they have removed the traditional mustard drill, which was at four o'clock, you went to your stateroom. In your stateroom, you grabbed your life jacket, you put it on, and then you came out to your designated spot where you checked in and you stood um, shoulder to shoulder with everybody else. Um, and then you heard some announcements and then they let you go. And all, everything ceased to operate at that hour. And it was kind of, and it was not a great experience um, on many levels. First of all, it just suspends. You're kind of now on boat. And just about time you, you're kind of sinking in and ready to enjoy it. All of a sudden, stop, drop, go back to your room, go get a life jacket and come back. It also was very difficult for our children who are autistic. They really struggle with the whole sensory experience from the horns to the life jackets. A lot of things just did not tear up well. So in this mustard drill change, I was really pleased that you could go anytime between then and about four in the afternoon, find your mustard drill station. There was a cat crew member there kind of taking attendance. You took a picture of your location and that kind of verified that you indeed were there. But what was also interesting, and I mentioned all of this in the previous podcast, what was really interesting is what happened at four o'clock. At four o'clock, there were announcements made and we happened to be on the 11th deck, uh, on the open deck by the pool, by the funnel vision. And there was this announcement made about safety and the mustard drill and so forth. And they showed a video. And so they asked you to please just stop what you're doing and watch this or listen if you couldn't see anything visually. And so I did. And I have to say that in this five minute video, I learned more about safety and I'm big on safety. I'm big on encouraging safe behavior on safe practices and making people more aware of the situation. I learned all sorts of things on this video. It was really well done. They talked about smoke detection systems and how if you smell smoke, what you should do. That's separate from man, you know, from, from the ship going down. They talked about what to do in a man overboard situation. They talked about that if it was needed to depart from the ship, that you need to pick up children from the kids' clubs, just lots of little details. And one of those details is that when they want to notify everyone on the ship that we've got a problem, they will run seven blasts plus one long blast of the horn. Now, I mention that because 
the following day, and this goes into the number three um, <laughs> highlight of our trip, is we were moving ourselves into NASA, into you, and you move into a harbor and you and you take dock against a couple other ships, and so the ship was kind of moving into position wasn't going really fast it had already kind of arrived in the area long before that they didn't have very far to go from port canaveral but they were kind of moving in that direction and we we're kind of just casually chatting and kind of um sitting in a chair lounge chair on on the top deck when all of a sudden we hear seven blasts of the horn now it wasn't seven blasts and a long blast. It was just seven blasts. And so I'm listening. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and no long blast. Which made me think they're not trying to signal the passengers. They're trying to signal someone else. And so we got out of our chairs and looked across the rail only to find a um, about a 50-foot... Uh, 40-foot sail ship with about a 50-foot uh, sail in the harbor, dead square in front of our cruise ship. Now, the cruise ship has got to go into the harbor and veer toward the left. It was centered in the way of the cruise ship. And, this, and the ship was now signaling to the sailboat, you need to get out of the way. You cannot take a huge ship like the Fantasy and just suddenly pull on the brakes and stop. Mind you, we were still about a mile, maybe even a mile and a half away when this blast came. And the ship is making this sound. There was another little boat nearby. I wondered if it wasn't part of the harbor crew. It looked at one point like maybe the ship was veering over to the far left to be out of the way. And then all of a sudden it moved right back into the in, in front of our cruise ship. And by the way, I've captured video from just a, a moment or two after the, the horn was sounded. You will see that this ship came within about 50 yards of being ran over by the Disney Fantasy. It had approximately 9, 10, 11 or so individuals, many of which had the same shirt on, so it made you think that maybe it was a crew training or something. They did not have any mastery of that sailing ship. They did not know how to work it. And there was a wind, I admit that, but wasn't such a strong wind that you can't... At any rate, the whole thing, and within a few minutes before, as, as, as the Disney cruise ship as the fantasy was arriving on the scene, out comes not one but two more uh, boats, harbor police, lights on. They came up to the ship and told them to drop their sails because they couldn't. They did not have the capacity to direct themselves with those sails. They were just wobbling all over. As you'll see on the video, you got to ch check out this little video, and uh, and they forced them to take down both sails. And, uh, and then they actually left eventually after the ship had passed by on motor only. It was, it was, it could have been a very tragic scene if, if that ship hadn't eventually, and it had a U.S. Uh, 
license to it uh, on the flat. It was very disappointing, but could have been a very interesting experience as you watch the Disney fantasy run over a sailboat. So that, so that was our third highlight from the trip. Let me talk about a much more subtle highlight, and it came later in that day, um, or maybe actually it came the next day after we finished at Castaway Key. We, you know, the ship always backs up into their ports, and then they come directly out. And as we sailed out, we sailed right into the sunset and to the horizon. I have this tiny video. It's only 30 seconds, but it's Satellite Falls. Now, Satellite Falls, and this is kind of one of my other highlights, is there were two things I'd never really tried before. I've always been in the adult pool, but up above there's this little round pool with this little fall curtain of water that comes and goes. And I always thought, yeah, why bother getting in it, you know? But honestly, my wife and I got in it and just, oh, we just relaxed. It was so relaxing and the, the sound of the water and everything. And later I captured it uh, against this sunset. Oh, so beautiful. And it was one of the things I'd never really done before was this little satellite falls swim area. The other thing that I'd never tried before, and it's right next to the adult pool, is the Cove Bar. I kind of always thought that this little coffee shop hideaway, which looks so cool because it has all these wonderful picture pictures of Walt, Lillian, Roy, and others uh, of the family enjoying these, these uh, faraway holidays and trips abroad. And uh, it has a very nice atmosphere. I just kind of thought you had to pay for it. Turns out that while the drinks you pay for, the, the, the snacks, they've got some, some little, like we had these cranberry scones and other little delicacies. And they were complimentary. I didn't even know that. It's something I just never even understood. Um, unfortunately, they went away at nights and they end up doing kind of a wine and olive bar kind of thing. But any rate, there were two little just simple moments that I was able to enjoy as part of my stay there. That was also very cool. It is the merry time uh, Christmas experience on board the Disney Fantasy. And that was a highlight from the beautiful tree and decorations in the, in the atrium, including a massive gingerbread house. Um, to just little holiday touches throughout the ship. All of that was really very cool. Um, added to that was a Christmas fireworks show. Now, usually the fireworks are tied to a pirate night. We really didn't have a pirate night. We didn't have any, you know, where you do the crepes and, and fruit bar and everything afterward. Our turkey legs, I think they also offer. We didn't have anything like that on the three night. Now, David tells me that they did on the on the fourth. It just wasn't pirate themed, but they did have um, kind of a Disney fireworks. Well, being that it was the maritime thing, they had this wonderful Christmas fireworks show, which was of a caliber that you would have seen in uh, in in back of Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella Castle in one of the parks back in, say, the 70s or 80s. It was a high quality, great, great song, a musical score underscoring the fireworks, plenty of fireworks. You can check it out by video. It, it will get you into the mood of the holidays in its own wonderful way. 
Um, so definitely check that out. Love that. Also, by the way, with that uh, entertainment came the opportunity to see uh, Frozen again. We had never seen it on board the fantasy. We had seen it before on uh, The Wonder. And it's easy to get the show confused with the one that has been a Disney California adventure for some time. Um, there's kind of a Jack Frost character who takes on the role of Olaf. Uh, the lighting and staging were impressive. They used a lot of puppetry to show Anna and Elsa and their childhood and other scenes of that nature. Costuming was um, fairly impressive with the exception of Elsa. Elsa, the same thing in the DCA show, she always looks heavy um, because she's carrying another costume underneath when, you know, she lets it go and there's a quick costume change as the other dress kind of flies away. Um, but it, it was, the only thing disappointing was that there weren't any other stage shows provided during the three night. We did have a chance to see Eternals in that same Walt Disney Theater the following night. And that was a great opportunity to see that show, you know, it's just one of those Mar any Marvel film you want to be able to see, you know, on a big screen. And we have not really done any big screen movies. So this was a chance to do that. And it was just really enjoyable. Uh, love that. That was the highlight. That entertainment with between uh, Frozen and especially the Christmas fireworks. That was a big highlight of our experience. By the way, they also had um, new additional entertainment in the restaurants. Mind you, uh, the um, always had the turtle talk with Crosh in the one uh, restaurant. But they took the enchanted garden. Well, first of all, they took they removed the captain's table, this big round captain's table at the royal palace, which stood in the center. By the way, they moved a lot of the tables out because the capacity was only operating, I think, uh, roughly a little under 50%. And uh, so they took out a lot of tables and in the second seating, there were still empty tables throughout. Um, but, they, uh, but they took out that center captain's table and they put a piano in... Um, a um, a uh, piano and a violinist in the middle of the royal palace. And then they had some of the Disney princesses come through and wave to everybody. Uh, so between the piano and the violin and the princesses at the royal palace restaurant, that was a real nice touch. Then at Enchanted Gardens, the first thing I noticed when I stepped in was they had removed the round booths that were in the center um, aisle of the restaurant. And in fact, I mentioned it to one of our servers who had just moved in from the Magic and had never been on a big ship and, and thus had never worked in Enchanted Garden. And he goes, yeah, they kept saying, and he's Filipino, so he's having a hard time understanding the language. He's like, yeah, they keep talking about 
boots or something. I couldn't figure out what they were. It took me forever to figure out it was this booth that had been taken out. Um, our head server actually was on the fantasy originally and then had moved. A lot of the servers, a lot of the staff have been moved around as a result of, of COVID and trying to restaff these ships. And many of them are hoping to get on the wish. But our head server had originally been on the fantasy. And so when they got ready, he said, when they got ready to move these booths, he said, you know, they they operate on turntables. And they were like, no, they don't. He goes, yeah, they do. They operate. On, and so what they thought was going to take a couple hours to move out ended up taking a couple of days to, di to completely undo. Because if you are not familiar, those circular booths actually did rotate during the meal. Unfortunately, there was a little accident uh, involving a little kid and their finger or something of that nature, and they stopped the motion. I've never seen them in motion, but originally they were. So it was a pain to take them out and a stupid move, but they did it because they thought they needed to give room for Mickey and Goofy and Minnie to come in and do this dance and character appearance, which was a really nice touch. For Enchanted Gardens, but let's min let's not mince words here. You did not need to take the booths out to do that. That was just crazy. Um, but they did um, they did make care. So all of the restaurants had some form of casual entertainment, character entertainment. I thought that was a real nice touch to go with the experience of uh, dining at the restaurants. By the way. Again, video of both the Enchanted Gardens and the Royal Palace. And in both videos, you will recognize a couple. You know, you're assigned the same server. So inevitably, there are usually about five to seven other families, about four or five other families, six maybe, that will be assigned to the same server. And they'll be in that same area. And I kept noticing this one woman who reminded me of a former cast member I worked at with at Disney. And it reminded my wife of that cast member too. And we were talking about the individual. So on our day at Castaway Key, and, and oh, by the way, when you watch, well, you may not see it on that particular video, but at one point the pianist was doing Be Our Guest and they, the couple was singing along with the pianist and the pianist was singing and it was quite humorous. And so it happened to be, that on a bike ride on Castaway Key, you come to that one tower out in the middle of nowhere. As we were coming off that tower, that same couple was coming up. And I said, I said humorously, I said, well, you look like you were having a great time singing along with the pianist last night. And they laughed and they said, they said, yeah, the pianist said, you better smile because there are people, there are a lot of people taking video. And I said, well, I was one of those people taking video and, and, um, and it did capture you. And uh, and so we talked about the PNS. Turns out the couple had been on multiple other cruise lines. And this had been their very first Disney cruise line. So I was just curious, how has the experience been? And without without question, both, both of them said, this was a step above and beyond the other cruise lines. It, there is a quality, there is a difference, which is so interesting because I sat there through, there wasn't a lot of children on this cruise, partly because it's the middle of the school year. 
uh, partly because of COVID and children haven't been vaccinated so much. So parents are, you know, a little more concerned for that. Um, but, you know, they're just simply a lot of older individuals, couples, um, and, and some young even, who go on this cruise and they do not have children. And they seem to enjoy the experience of being on the Disney Cruise Line. If you think it's a kid's cruise line, absolutely is not. It is its own. It is something that is simply enjoyed by everyone when they come to um when they come experience the Disney Cruise Line. Well, okay. So dinner entertainment was uh, the six. I want to talk about the seventh highlight, which actually requires me going back to the very first. Um, if you recall, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, my wife talks about how emotional it was to see Mickey and Minnie as you entered the atrium when you first came on board the ship. And it was a really nice touch to kind of get you in the spirit and to kind of take away all that you had gone through as you boarded the, the cruise line. But as we got ready to sail, after I'd finished the previous podcast, we got ready to sail and it was now moving toward 5.30, 5.15 5 to 5.30. And they had said that 3.45 was the cutoff date for embarkation. And so I kind of sat on the deck of our veranda and kind of observed the activity and everything going on in preparation for the boat to sail, which again, it's now about an hour and a half later. And what was really interesting is for about a half hour, I still saw guests boarding the boat. Um, and in fact, the last guest didn't even go through the regular um, entrance. They actually came through um, an employee entrance to get on as a family at the very, very end. And I thought, this is, this is interesting to see. You know, um, what may be a departure sometimes means a new beginning. And I think all of us as we have gone through this pandemic, have kind of wondered, are, are we going to be able to get on board? Even though we boarded um, at, at noon, there was still this part, are we going to get on board? Are we going to be able to get on board? You know, you got to test. You know, what if we don't pass the test? Are, are, we, going to be able, are we going to be able to get on board? And I kind of thought about the emotional feeling of those last families at the an hour and a half after the stated time somehow disney managed to get them on and i thought about the emotional level that they must have felt when they felt finally we got on board the um ropes were loosened and the ship took off and as it took off and we, as we passed by the Disney terminal, I found five crew members or cast members from the terminal standing on the second floor deck, outdoor deck of the terminal. And I saw all five of them waving to every guest as the ship took off. And they kept waving until the ship long left 
the terminal. And I was so touched. There's a picture of it in my, my post. I was so touched by these individuals who probably were ready to get home to their families and get on with the rest of the day. It's now 5.30, ready to go home. And here they are. They've chosen to take a few minutes to wave. And I think about, and I thought about what it was like at the onset. I, our family has always been very careful during this period of COVID and getting social distancing. But one of the things we agreed to as a family that if we stayed socially distant on the beach, that the beach was actually a good place to go. So, so in that first spring, late spring, late spring and summer, we would go to um, Cocoa Beach and we would be on the beach and we would look out at the ships which had, had uh, left the dock or they needed to make room for other ships that needed to dock. They were just simply out offshore sitting there um, waiting and along with that were many crew members who waited a very long time to um, to get home to their families. Many of them struggled for months to be able to get past the COVID restrictions and regulations and work their way back home to their families. And uh, I thought back to seeing those ships and wondering if we'd be sailing again or when we would be sailing again. Thought a lot about all the things that have occurred in the last three years to our own family. We arrived in Nassau the next day and Nassau is, for those of us who've done Disney Cruise Line many times and been to Nassau many times, you kind of get to a point where, okay, I've seen the island, I've toured the whole island, we've done the Atlantis thing, we've done the Pirate Museum, we've done it, we've done the Marketplace, we've done it. Um, I was so encouraged here are people who struggle who struggle far more than most of us they their 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 problems are far greater than our first world problems are at home and i saw this incredible amount of construction and work to redo what was in truly a sad looking terminal it is going to be a remarkable terminal when it's done and it's going to usher in a new phase. And they need to because there are more options as Disney gets their own second island place to go. There, there needs to be more options and more places to go and more things to do with more ships that are coming in. I just saw a new horizon. A new horizon for those who... And if there was one thing this, this trip meant to me was seeing the new horizon as we kind of put away the old and saw the new come in. It was a powerful experience. In the process, I had kind of an epiphany. And with that, we will be announcing in the next podcast uh, a little change to our podcast. No, we're not getting rid of the podcast. We are going even stronger on the podcast. And we are offering a new line of content on our podcast than ever before, new concepts and ideas that will inspire and help all of us 
move to new horizons. And so I'm excited for the next podcast when I will introduce this to you. But I wanted to share with you the highlights of this incredibly therapeutic three-night journey that my wife and I had. It was a blessing to us to be able to reflect on the past and think toward the future. And, you know, like Walt Disney, we keep moving forward. And that's the spirit in which I hope you can can be in as we look at the months and days and years ahead of us. Well, that wraps it up for this Disney at Play podcast. I sincerely thank you for being a part of this podcast. And I I, I hope that you um, will subscribe. If you have a chance and you like the things you hear, please go to iTunes and help the littlest podcast that could get a little bit more traction, a little bit more, more notice. Um, if you really want to support the podcast, please visit our Wayfinder Society. You'll see a description of it listed in our po- on our post for this podcast at DisneyAtPlay.com. We have exciting new things coming ahead of us, and we want to bring them to you. So please join us. We hope that you can be a part of the magic moving forward. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage... I think that's uh, episode 37. If you go way, way, way back, I talk about it. Alan Menken's uh, Compass of Your Heart. It is central to um, where we're going next. So in the spirit of that song, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We look forward to seeing you real soon.